It's a joy and a privilege to be able to share the word of God with you this morning. God is working. Are you? I don't normally expect people to remember my outline, but this morning uh, I'm going to give it to you and I want to encourage you, if you would, to write that down. It will help you to grab hold of this sermon. And the outline is God is working. Are you? I don't know if I normally expect people to remember the point of the sermon. I don't know if I always have the point. <laughs> but today, I have a the point, and I'm going to encourage you to write it down. And some of you are real sharp people, and you say, I think I know what the point is. The point of the sermon is God is working. Are you? So where did we get that? Turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. As you're turning, let's uh, set the context. Uh, this is written, the letter to the Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul. He is in a Roman prison. Uh, it's been written about A.D. 59. Paul founded the church in Philippi. And he writes to embolden these believers. He writes, so then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The first thing that we probably need to see is this potentially troubling phrase, work out your salvation. Because there are some that will hear that and say, whoa, now I thought we were saved by, by grace through faith and you know, pastor is always telling us, if, if you just repent and believe and receive, you, you will be saved. And that is true. But the thing is, there are three tenses to salvation. There are three tenses to being saved. Let's look at those. Number one, there's past tense salvation. Past tense salvation, I have been saved. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be, will be saved. At that point, Christians are saved from the penalty of sin. That's called justification. There's a future tense salvation. We see that in the book of Hebrews, and basically that is telling us that we will be saved. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25 says, Therefore he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Christians will one day be saved from the, the very presence of sin as God takes us to heaven. And this is called glorification. And that's part of that whole helmet of salvation. But in between those two is what we are looking at this morning, and that is the fact that God calls us, commands us to work out our salvation, present tense, now, 
with fear and trembling. So in other words, today, Christians are being saved from the power of sin. This is sanctification. What it is, being saved is a lot like getting married in a couple of different ways. Number one, there is a point in time that you are married. And in case you don't know what that is, you need to find out and make sure in case your husband or wife asks you. Uh, There is a point in time you walk into a church and you are not married and then you walk out and you are. There is a point in time that a, a person, if they are saved, that they get saved. Second of all, you don't get saved by what you do. You don't get saved by your works. You get saved by a commitment. You stand before a pastor and he says to you, John, take Mary to be your lawfully wedded wife and Mary, do you take John to be your lawfully wedded husband and you take those vows, I promise, in sickness and in health. And at that point in time, because of that commitment, you are married. But that's not the end of it. Uh, The man who did the pre-marriage counseling for Dana and myself I think it was the first session, and I remember it very clearly. He said, listen, I want to share something with you. It's Psalms 127, and it says, except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. He said, now in marriage, you can do this one of two ways. You can either labor with the Lord, or you can labor without the Lord, but either way, you're going to labor. And all honest married people said, amen, amen, amen. I have been saved. I will be saved. In the meantime, I am being saved. God is working. Are you? First of all, it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The words work here, you see work all through these things, uh, and the word working later on all come from the same Greek word, uh, energion. You say, that sounds like a familiar word. Yeah, we get our English word, energy, or to energize from that. And so that just communicates to us that, that in the midst of everything in life that God is working. God is powerfully and passionately and persistently working in our lives. But I want to also add one other thing to that, that God is personally working. And this is so, so very important. Yes, we're going to look at the, the power of God and all of those things, but it's always personal. You know, we're going to look at some things about, about reading the Word of God, being in the Word of God, but it's not just the Bible. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. We're going to look at some things about uh, dealing with anxiety and stress and all those types of things, but it's not just the anxiety and the stress. It is the fact that Jesus invites us to himself. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest and and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. Jesus is personally calling us in a personal way to a powerful relationship with himself. 
First of all, we see that uh, God is working in the lives of those who are lost. Familiar passage, Isaiah. You say, my Bible opens to Isaiah almost automatically. Uh, Isaiah 61 says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news, that's really the gospel, to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners. If you are here this morning or you are listening online and you don't know Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, you say, well, you know, I don't know. I kind of think some things about God. But if you don't know that, that you know Christ, then know this, that God is working in your life. God has brought you here. You, you are not watching or listening to this by accident. God is working and God is drawing you to himself. But God is also working in the lives of, uh, of those who are saved. First, first of all, in the lives of those who have just gotten saved. I remember years and years ago, Dr. Rogers used to say that when a person gets saved, they get a brand new set of want-tos. The things they used to want to do, they don't want to do anymore. And the things that they wanted to do, they now don't want to do. So if you've just been saved, know that all of a sudden there are a brand new set of, of want-tos in your life. But not only that, God is working in the lives of those who have been saved for a long time. And that's where probably many of us are today, that we've been saved for quite a while, but if we're not careful, we can lose that, that awareness, we can lose the sensitivity to that. I think that there is a dating relationship that is going on between an NFL football player and a female pop singer. The, uh, the NFL player, man, his name is what? Travis Kelsey. The, uh, the female pop singer, ladies, her name is? There are a lot more ladies that know Taylor Swift than men who know Travis Kelsey. But anyway, I guess they're dating. Saw an interesting thing, a funny thing the other day where uh, they were on a date and uh, Kelsey got out of the car, walked over to where, uh, to Taylor Swift's side of the car. There was a security guy that was fixing to uh, open the door. Kelsey's this big, huge guy. And he, just, he didn't shove him down, but he just said, just kind of, I got this. <laughs> opened the door, took her hand, helped her out, put, her, put his hand around her waist and just kind of guided her to where they were going. Men, I want to ask you a question. <clears throat> How many of you, when you were first dating, did this with the woman that you are married to now? This is your chance to shine, men. Uh, say, I did that. Okay, I'm not going to ask the second question. <laughs> I, I will just say that we will have an invitation at the end of the service, and dust and ashes uh, will be here, and, and, and you can repent. Some of you will remember that from the sermon, too. I remember two things. What happens if we are not careful? 
we can, we can lose that sensitivity. We can lose that awareness, uh, that appreciation of our spouse, of our salvation, of the Spirit of God working in our lives. And we just get a little bit hard. We just get a little bit cold. But I want to ask you this morning, whether you have been saved a week or whether you have been saved eight decades, that you would say, Bill, there are times. There, there are times that whether it's through a sermon, whether it's through a song, whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's through a life group lesson, or just the, you know, the, the, the providence of God that I sense God working in my life, that you would raise your hand to say, I sense that. Okay, if you didn't raise your hand there, okay, that's not, that's not a good thing. Uh, but we know that God is working. Now the question comes down to us, are you? The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Working out is something that we are familiar with. We may not do it, but uh, when I use that phrase, you say, Bill, I have some type of an idea uh, of what you are talking about. Working out physically is something that is, it should be strenuous and intense. Uh, working out spiritually is that same type thing. It is, it is strenuous. It is intense. It is, it is real. It is, it is a, a genuine experience of, uh, of, of working out, of, of allowing God to do in your heart and life what he has called you to do. It is so easy. It is so easy in life to coast. But you only coast one way, and that's downhill. I, I admire, appreciate, respect Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was the 26th president of the United States, and one reason in particular that I appreciate him are these words. You'll see them on the screen. I have them framed, and I have them in my office. And this is what he says. Far better it is to dare mighty things to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to take rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy much nor suffer much, but live in that gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. Wow. Wow. And that is where so many Times so many people are, and sometimes so many times where Christians are. You know, we're, we're, we're here, but we're not living, you know, we're not enjoying, we're not suffering, we're just coasting, and we are, are going through the motions. But in the midst of all of that, God is working in your life, and he is calling you to work and to energetically work out, spiritually to work out. And I want to give you three things just real quick. This is where three, three workouts that he has called you to. Number one is working out in and through the word of God. Say, so how do you do that? Again, Dr. Rogers, decades ago, I, I wrote it down and, and I ended up, it's just there now. 
said, here's what you need to do with the Bible. You need to read it through, think it clear, write it down, pray it in, live it out, and pass it on. Let's go through those a little slower. Number one, you need to read it through. In other words, as you're reading through the Word of God, it's not just, hey, I'm reading through the one-year Bible, the chronological Bible, or some plan or whatever, and I, I read my chapter for the day. That's not it. It's a good start, but that's not it. It's reading and, and it's thinking and, and what is here and are there any cross-references? Is there anything else that I need to look up? You read it through. You think it clear. What does this mean? Why did they write this? Why did they choose this particular word? Uh, and, 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 and Lord, how do I apply this to my life? What are you trying to tell me? You read it through, you think it clear, you write it down. Why? Because you write down stuff that's important to you. If somebody's trying to, you know, to give you directions to somewhere or another, or they're trying to tell you, this is how you fix your computer, <laughs> you know, unless you're Noah Siddham, you go, okay, I'm writing these. I do what again? I say that one more time. You write it down because it's important. And then the fourth, you pray it in. You're saying, God, this is your word. This is what you said. And so, Lord, I am praying, God, I give myself, I repent. Lord, I believe, I lay hold of this. And then it's not just stuff that you do in some type of an academic setting, but you're living it out. You make a commitment to live that out. And then as you're doing all that, you're passing it on to other people. Say, hey, let me tell you what God showed me. This is so cool. And, and you are sharing that with other people. But it goes on from there to where it's not just that blueprint. As wonderful as that blueprint is, it, it's, it's hearing the voice of God. In other words, you read, this morning I read Lamentations chapter 1 and chapter 2. But I didn't just read those words. God spoke to me. God spoke to me in a very personal way as I was reading his word. And that's something that must happen again. My sheep hear my voice. And, and if you're not hearing his voice, especially from his word, there's something there to say, okay, Lord, what's going on? Why am I not hearing from you? And then to deal with that. We work out, the third aspect of working out is hiding his word in your heart. The Bible says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not, what, sin against you. We hide his word in our heart. We internalize it. We, we make it our own. We have a midweek uh, prayer meeting every Wednesday. It's at 10 o'clock uh, back in Guest Central. It lasts an hour. In case you have never been invited, you are now invited, Okay. All of you show up, we'll move uh, to another place. But anyway, 10 o'clock, Wednesday. One of the things that we try to do there is we try to, uh, to, to, uh, to memorize, internalize a verse of Scripture that we can know more and more and more about how to pray God's Word back to Him. <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, and we've been doing it for about two years, and we'll do a new verse every four or six weeks. So we've had a bunch of verses. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a new verse, and as I was going over it, I just thought to myself, that's a familiar verse. And so I said, I, 
I think we may have memorized it. If we have, we're just going to review it for a little while. If, we, if you haven't memorized it, then uh, this is a great chance to do it. One of the ladies, Irene Wisely, came up to me afterwards. Irene's there faithfully week after week. And she said, we haven't memorized that verse. I said, how do you know? She said, because I've memorized them all. <laughs> Irene is 82 years old. And yes, I did ask her if I could say that before I shared it with you. Don't tell me I am too old to memorize Scripture. Amen. Second thing <clears throat> that we see is that we are to be working out through prayer. And this is tied to the Word of God. John 15, 7 says that uh, Jesus said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. It is, it is getting serious about the Word of God. It's hiding God's Word in your heart so that you are able to take that promise and to, to lay that back before him. I believe that there is a huge difference between saying your prayers and really praying. One is going through the motions, and the other one is going after God. And I want to tell you one of the greatest needs that you have in your life, every child of God does, is to get in God's Word. And let him speak to you and say, this word right here, this is for you. I have one of those. I think I, I have more than one, but one stands out. Psalm 126.5 says, those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shouting. Memorize that along the way. And in the midst of the course of my life, God brought me to a place with a particular thing, situation, whatever it is. Can't tell you what it is. To where I got before God over a period of months and months and months and months and said, God, Lord, you have, you have broken my heart God, in this situation right here, Lord, you said those who sow in tears will reap with joyful shouting. Just a promise that stuck out to me. I'm 68 years old. I've been saved 47 years. Apart from my own personal salvation, what God did as a response to his word all by his grace is the second most holy thing in my entire life. You need to get in the word and you need to hear from God. Fourth, third rather, we work out through worship. Wow. Brother Steve has often defined worship as we give God his heart and he gives us his. 
And that ha- it is giving God your heart. And it doesn't happen just because you come to church. It doesn't happen just because you sing a song. Although it's closer if you sing it than if you don't. Uh, Lord, help us, help us, help us, Lord, to sing unto you. But I think so many times we think, you know, hey, I'm, I'm here. I, I'm at church every Sunday and that's, that's good, but that's not the goal. That's not what, that's, that's no more working out your salvation, uh, especially in the whole aspect of worship than, than just, you know, showing up at the gym and saying, okay, I worked out today. No, you just went to the gym. You didn't work out. That's all you did. And if you come to church and you end up leaving church the same way you came to church, you didn't have church, you just went to church. And there is a huge difference in all of that. that but in church, we learn to worship. Wow, the, song that, the songs that we sang are just God speaking. They're, they're, they're so rich. But we have to give God, we have to give God our, our heart to say, Lord, my heart is yours. And as you do that, God will give you his heart. And, and we learn to worship. And it's not just about worshiping here. We worship here. We catch that so that when we leave this place, everywhere we go, everything that we do, all seven days of the week, we are people who are worshiping God in spirit and truth. That's the will of God. And all of these things right here, these are just the workout. These are just three workouts. This is not the whole thing of working out your salvation. These, th- these things right here are, are just three workouts, kind of like push-ups and sit-ups and chin-ups or whatever it may be. It's kind of like this. It is, it's like a high school athlete plays ball at his uh, school. He's an outstanding player. And then he signs with one of these major universities. I am not calling any names. And, um, uh, and then the coach tells him, boy, it's so good to have you here. I see great things uh, in store for you. And what we need you to do this year is eat right and get in that workout in that weight room. And we need to put about 35 pounds of muscle on you. If you want to be a godly husband, if you want to be a godly wife, if you want to be a godly parent, you want to, you want to be a soul winner, you want to be a discipler, you want to be somebody who is salt and light, you want to make an impact in your world, these are the workouts. In order for you to really play, in order for you to participate, you've got to work out first. And if you don't work out, you're never going to be all that God wants you to be. We just don't have time to talk about all of the aspects of working out, but it is, it is, uh, we work out. It's a serious thing. So how serious is it? It is so serious that Paul tells us to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because God is the one that's working in your life. God is the one who speaks through his word. God is the one who puts those desires in your heart and in your life. We take it seriously because so much hangs in the balance. When we, number one, three reasons. Number one, when we work out with fear and trembling, our lives will have eternal value. 
The verse we're about to look at refers to the judgment seat of Christ. It's the time and the place to where our entire life will be examined by God. 1 Corinthians 3 says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use, and that foundation is knowing Christ, may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, metals, wood, hay or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flame. The most sobering thought I know as a child of God is that I will stand before God and I will give an account for every motive, every thought, every word, and every deed. We're going to stand before God and give an account for those things. Now, we're saved by grace through faith, but our reward or our great loss is, by, is determined by what we do. I think if we're honest, all of us would say, you know, as I look back at my life, I, I live with regrets. Boy, I wish I could. How many say I wish I could do some things over again? Yeah, I think almost all of us. If that is true now, what's it going to be like on that day? Well, by that time, it's too late. If you want things to be different then, then you need to start changing things today. Second reason, when we, come, when we work out with fear and trembling, God's goodness will not be withheld from us. When we work out with fear and trembling, God's goodness will not be withheld from us. Jeremiah 5.25 says, your iniquities have turned these away and your sins have withheld good from you. And you said, whoa, Bill, how did, how did we get from working out our salvation to, to sins and iniquity?" Because the Bible says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. You come to church week after week. You know, hopefully you're reading your Bible and, and, and you are, are learning new things. Well, as you are, are, are learning, God expects you to apply what you are learning. You know, there, there's a world of difference between um, if you have a, a six-year-old child, a 16 and a 26-year-old child, there's a world of difference between them lying to you. It's the same sin, but there are different consequences. God holds me and God holds you accountable for what we know. And when we do not live up to what we know, there are consequences, and God says here, your iniquities have turned these away. Your sins have withheld good from you. God will withhold his blessing. God will withhold good from you and from your family and from your ministry 
if you don't, if I don't do our best to live up to the light that he has given us. And then last of all, and this one, those two are really sobering. This one I think is very encouraging. When we work out with fear and trembling, we will experience supernatural power. Supernatural power. Uh, Romans 6, 4 says, therefore we are buried with baptism uh, uh, with Christ unto death in that as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we too might walk in newness of life. And it's just a picture that, that God has baptized us unto resurrection power. I love the song. We sing it often. Same power. It's the power that we have. It says the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the same power that commands the dead to wake lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when he speaks, the same power that calms a raging sea lives in us. Resurrection power. And I love this picture, this picture out of Psalms. It is an awesome picture. I hope you will learn to love it too. It says, for by you I can run upon a troop and by my God I can leap over a wall. We have walls in our lives. We have walls, we have barriers in our lives that, that keep us from really experiencing God's very best. Some of those are internal. It's stuff in your life. It's anger, bitterness, uh, discouragement, fear, envy, laziness, lust, whatever it is, there are, there are sins and there are strongholds in your life that just hold you captive. There are other things in our lives that, that are external walls. It's just, it's, it's all around you. It is your, it is your job. It is your finances. It is mistakes that you have made in, in your, in your past. It is a, a health issue. It is, uh, things that are going on with your family. And it's just like this wall that is around you. There are other things that are, are walls that, that seem to have come our way because of other people. You may have been abused as a child growing up. It wasn't you. It happened to you. You may be in a place to where that you are in an abusive uh, 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 relationship or work environment or something like that, 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 that there is difficulty in your life because of other people. Maybe you've experienced the, 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 the loss of a, of a spouse. Maybe it's divorce, maybe it's death, maybe the loss of a child. But there, there's this wall in your life and you're saying, if it wasn't for this thing right here, then, then I would experience life and freedom. I say, yeah. And you say, okay, so just leap over the wall? How does that happen? A couple of years ago, <clears throat> we were having a family get together and uh, it was at a park and there were a small park, neighborhood park, and there was the walls, there were fences all around us and somebody had a Frisbee and somebody threw it over the fence, not on purpose, just accidentally sailed over. Our oldest son, Jonathan, uh, who had been doing CrossFit, it's an exercise type thing for about eight years at this point in time, uh, went over to the fence. He's about the same height as I, as I am. He weighed less than I 
do right now. We just won't go there. But anyway, he looks over the fence. And I'm just watching and saying, what is he doing? And then he bends down and he jumps up, grabs the fence, and just throws himself over in one motion. How did he do that? And then the Frisbee comes back over. And next thing I know, I see a body coming up, hands on the fence, and then just throwing himself back over and lands on his, fence, on his feet. Going, how, did you, how did he do that? At this point in time, as I said, he'd been working out for about eight years. Six out of seven days, he'd get up in the morning, read his Bible, journal, meditate, and then go work out for an hour. Hard, intense, straining, sweaty workout. He hung around people that were working out. He was committed to working out. That's why he could do it. I can't leap over physical walls, okay? I'm careful walking up steps. But I can tell you with a clear conscience before God and before you, by the grace of God alone, that I have worked out along the way enough to where I have experienced the supernatural power of God to leap over some spiritual, mental, and emotional walls in my life. And I can also tell you that if I want to leap over other walls that are still in my life, I'm going to have to continue to work out. And that same thing applies to you. If you want to experience supernatural power, if you want to experience God's supernatural power, you have to do the natural before you can expect God to do the super. You have to work out. You have to make that commitment to say, I'm going to abide in the word of God. I'm going to get serious about the word of God. I'm going to get in it and I'm going to get it in me. I'm going to develop by the grace of God. I'm going to pursue God and I'm going to develop a dynamic prayer life. I'm going to, to pursue God. I'm going to give him my heart so that that I experience and have a passionate worship relationship with God. Isabel, how does it happen? Number one, you have to be intentional. There's a world of difference between good intentions and intentional living. You have to be intentional. You have to start where you are. And I would imagine most of you already know what's going on in your life and what you need to do. 